Ms. Marvel, Season 1, Episode 2. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Marvel Plus, the podcast devoted solely to the Disney Plus Marvel series. As always, my name is Brett Scott, I am your host, and this is your favorite Disney Plus Marvel companion podcast show. And this week we are talking episode two of Ms. Marvel and a whole lot more with awesome first-time guest, Andy Mossum. You guys know how much I love bringing on new guests and, and getting new insights and perspective on everything geek and MCU, but every once in a while, you get a guest that is just so naturally damn gifted when it comes to speaking and putting forth ideas that you just can't help to be excited to share it with everyone else when you have a great conversation with that person. I'm not going to lie to you, this was one of my most like natural and easy conversations I've had on this podcast. And that is all thanks to Andy Mossum. Great guest, great taste in MCU content, uh, mostly probably because he agrees with me on a lot of it, uh, so I may be a little biased, but man, we have a great chat. I have links in the show notes. Make sure you go and follow him. I couldn't be more pleased with how this episode turned out. And I think your guys are, are you guys are going to enjoy it as well. So I'm going to quit yammering on and, and usher you right into the wonderful show. Ladies and gentlemen, joining me from across the pond, where it is currently 1 a.m. when we are recording this, such a damn trooper uh, for staying up late, all in the name of geekdom. Ladies and gentlemen, the awesome Andy Mossum. Okay, Andy, welcome to the show, my friend. Hello. Hey, thanks for doing this, man. We've been uh, talking about doing this for a really long time. I think back before Hawkeye was even on, we were talking about getting together for an episode, and uh, we finally landed on one with uh, Miss Marvel. Indeed, yeah. It's really uh, really good to be here. Thanks for, for having me on. Absolutely. Uh, we, we met in a Facebook group. Uh, what is it? Elite Group of MCU Spoilers. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So if anyone wants to check that out, I also had another guest uh, on the show, David Chastain, who is from that group as well. And um, yeah, I'm just going to I'm just going to put your feet to the fire, man, because I, I want to <laughs> know what's the beef. What's the beef with Dave Chastain? I called <laughs> you out. So um, I had a controversial opinion that I put on our group during the uh, during the Hawkeye series. Uh-huh. That, um, I said I wasn't a particular fan of Yelena, of, of the character. I found uh, her a bit, yes. bit, bit plain, a bit boring, just didn't see the, the fuss about her. Very pretty woman, but overall I just didn't see the fuss. And um, I, I know when David came on as a, as a guest during the Hawkeye series, he was just like, Yep, Andy mentioned this. He's like, but he's like, I love you, Andy, but fuck off, man. And I was, I was just like, you know what? It was time for a bit of revenge. So, David, you can fuck off. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we've got that. Dave, fuck off, mate. Um, <laughs> so, no, I um, I got to say, I agree with Dave more. I, I love Yelena very much. Uh, but 
all opinions are welcome here, man. I've had people on who like hate certain series that we've talked about and love other ones. I, I've got people who think this is the best one and I might think it's the absolute worst. So yeah, um, that's part of the fun is, is all having different opinions. That's part of the fun of being in those groups too. It's like, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, well, tell me a little bit about your, your kind of MCU fandom. I, obviously you're in a Facebook group. I'm guessing you're probably in more than one. I'm in a whole bunch of them. Um, but where did that fandom start? Were you into comics before that? Are you into the comics or is it just the films yeah, or what? So I, um, so I grew up reading the comics. Um, is, um, I mean, I'm about, I'm I was going to say about 38. I am 38 years old now. And um, right. yeah, I grew up reading the comics. And obviously it's hard to cover everything. There's so much in the comics in terms of characters. I was always more of an anti-hero fan, to be fair. So the likes of uh, the Punisher, Daredevil was was always my sort of, uh, go-to things that I like to read growing up and um, but yeah obviously when when you're a fan of those kind of things growing up and, and something like the MCU starts up you, you're going to get into it and you're going to start watching it because you're like this is my childhood come to life you know yes. the, the chances of when you're growing up of thinking I'm going to see these things on the big screen and turn into what it has done is is something that you don't think is going to happen so the fact that it has happened the way it has gone and the influence that yeah. Marvel's had on filmmaking and and just the the genre in general moving forward, is has been so huge. Um, and obviously, getting into those kind of films is is obviously something that I was happy to do and and, and get stuck into it. Um, so obviously, watching them, and then I think it was around the time of when the Winter Soldier came out. Um, I was joining a few Winter Soldier groups, and um, I was just prompted and going, "Oh, hey, we've got this group called the Elite Group of MCU Spoilers. Come over to us." Yeah. And I think they'd only been around for literally like two or three months. I wasn't one of the, the absolute beginners that joined the group, but I wasn't far off uh, joining straight after. And I've been with them ever since. It's sort of like the first good Marvel group I joined. Obviously, there's a lot of groups out there that you join, and sometimes there's not a lot that goes on, or they're not very interactive, yeah. or they're very negative, and as things are, uh, or as things can be. So it was really good to, to join a group where you can have a lot of laugh, have a lot of fun. And, and share your opinions on the stuff without being constantly shot down or, or told that that's wrong because you don't know what you're talking about. You, it is, is what seems to become nowadays this whole, you're not a true fan if you don't know this sort of yeah. thing. Everyone together has collectively such a, a great knowledge of the, the comics that when it translates, you can talk about the MCU stuff so well with them. And you go, well, actually, if you didn't know, this scene is a direct lift from the comics and that sort of thing. So... You know, being part of, of that group has been a real good thing because it allows you to, to get out there and talk to other people who can help fill in your knowledge gaps and you can do that with them as well. So, And obviously yeah. as the films have gone on, you know, I've stuck to it every single time and I've, I've brought lots of friends into the MCU and, and guided them on tours through watching all the films and, and obviously like my partner now, I take her through the TV series and, and constantly chatting to her going, oh, this is what's going on and me and my best friend, we go to every single film premiere. We're there at midnight, the day it's the, that it's been released yeah. um, for the last eight years now. And um, and just so I'm always there with every film, to be fair. Yeah, I mean, I I get exactly what you're saying about like the, this being like your childhood come to life because it, it it's unimaginable for a mm. kid like growing up. I, I'm the same age. I'm 37. And so I grew up with, you know, the 90s X-Men uh, cartoon and um uh, this Spider-Man, the animated series and stuff like that. And, um, like that, that was my childhood. And then from that comic books that I started reading in probably a fourth or fifth grade. And, um, it, it never seemed like, I remember there were rumors early on, like back then, maybe when I was in fourth or fifth grade, maybe around 10 years old, there, there was some talk of, um, 
you know, that there could be an X-Men movie in the works and there was like potential casting in wizard magazine. And, um, it was just like, it was kind of almost this far fetched thing. Like, even if they did it, would it really be that great? I mean, they had done that generation X TV movie and it was like not good at all. (laughs) And, And it just seemed like, could they ever make this serious and cool? Like it was to me as a kid. And it's so great that they've made it in a way like it's adult enough that as an adult who loved that stuff as a kid, I can watch it and feel like a kid again, but also still be like, this is still mature content as well. Like it's not for little kids. It's somewhere in the middle there. It's, it's, you know, um, it's appropriate for most kids. Uh, but you know, I almost feel like aimed at the kids who grew up with it more than anything. Yeah. Um, at least until recently. Um, and that that's one thing, too, about the series. So you mentioned, like, you've gotten a lot of people into the MCU and um, try to get them up to speed and things. And it's getting more and more difficult to get yeah. someone into it. There's so much to try to teach someone. It's insane. I And I'm, I'm wondering how they're going to handle it, like, going forward. Like, maybe we'll get to a point where you only have to go back so far. Like... Maybe in a year or two, you can just go, okay, well, if you really want to know what's going on now, you can skip all of the, all of the Thanos stuff. You can skip all of that, like all those films, because that's not the characters we're really dealing with anymore now anyway. And maybe you can start maybe when the series started and move forward. And that'll be the way people can get in that haven't been in. And then if they're interested, they can go back and watch the other stuff, but they don't need it to understand what's going on. So yeah. I um I just it it's incredible that we were getting some of this really obscure like characters you never thought. I mean, we were lucky when we got like the X-Men, which was at the time the most popular comic book period for 30 years. Oh, definitely, yeah. And we were lucky to get that is what it felt like. And like now we're getting we're getting Kamala Khan, we're getting uh She-Hulk. We're, you know, it's it's madness it really it doesn't even seem like it doesn't seem like it should have happened but i'm so glad that it did yeah i mean i don't think even when the mc was getting big maybe six seven years ago um we didn't think it would get to the stage where it has now um to to the stage where we're getting a lot of more cosmic things a lot more space things they were just concentrating on like the earth heroes so to speak yeah. So for it to, to get to the stage now where it's getting more complicated and convoluted, you make a good point, you know, in a few years time, I think they're going to have to look at it and go, we can't ask people to start from 2008 and watch it all the way through to now. That's going to be yeah. really hard to do. So maybe that's going to come a point, maybe after phase four, where they, they look at it and go, let's almost have like a clean slate and just sort of build it up from a few of the MCU shows and into, into films. But yeah, to get to the point where we're at now, I just never thought we'd ever get to a point where not only are we getting more and more heroes, more and more obscure ones or, or lesser known ones coming through, but to be so convoluted and everything so intertwined, it's just unbelievable, to be fair. Yeah, that there's so much that now it's confusing <laughs> is insane. That That is insane to even think about. Like, not only do, do we have a, a lot, it's so much that it's like almost impenetrable for a newbie. And it's like, yeah, that that's awesome. It's almost like the comic books were, except it's a lot more mainstream mm. now. But you know, back in those days, it it was, it was like you were intimidated 
to start reading comics because you didn't know anything. And then you had to slowly find out from whatever you were into. Like I was into the X-Men and I came in through Wolverine comics. Mm. So like that is what informed everything. Like you had to learn, whoa, this person showed up in this Wolverine comic. Who's that? And then you find out like their past and what, and it's like that. It's the same thing with these films now. It's like this thing that I'm sure is intimidating for if someone wants to go like, oh, how do I get into that? And I go, well, I mean, first you got to watch the, the 26 films and then you got to watch the the eight series that we've had so far. And like, you know, it's like, they're like, nah, I'd rather not even start. That's yeah. intimidating. Um, but you're right. It's it's incredible that we're at that stage, that it's an intimidating thing for people to even approach. It's I think awesome. That's- that's been the case for even maybe long-term MCU fans that are turning around and going, I can't keep up with everything now. Yeah. Um, so it's it's becoming, I think, a worry for some of them that they're mm-hmm. like, I can't keep up with the schedule. I can't keep up with everything. But at the same time, I sit here and think, you've got to give so much credit to Kevin Feige and the guys at Marvel for keeping something like this going so long, making it so convoluted and intertwined that there's so many things that they get right still. And they're yeah. not sort of getting a ton of plot holes where you're going well that's just a massive thing because this happened in that you know that's something that you get even with smaller franchises or tv series that you know after a season or two they're like well this is a massive plot hole going on here they've completely forgotten about what happened and they have to put their hands up and go yep we admit we got that kind of wrong and try and correct it as the show goes on but for the guys at marvel to not really be at that stage where you can point at two or three really massive things and go that's that doesn't make sense because you did this right there, there, there may be like a few and they're small and they're easy to just go, eh, that's not a big, that's not going to affect my love yeah. of this thing, you know? So yeah, I've been more than thrilled with what they've done. And I, I think a lot of people were worried too, myself included, that after Endgame, that things were going to get not so great. You know, it's like, what do they have left to do? Whereas me, I'm super excited because I know the X-Men are coming. Like I've been <laughs> this whole time, I'm like, Ah oh, man, I want to see what Feige and company can do with the X-Men because um, as, as good as some of the Fox films were, they were kind of hit and miss and um, yeah. some were really good and some were just not very good at all. Um, but to, to give them the MCU treatment, I think they can do it right. And oh, I mean, I pray that they'll, they'll do it in the manner that they've done with the Avengers and all these um, B and C list characters that they've turned into A list characters. Um, I, I want to see them do that with the X-Men. Um, I want to see uh, an X-Men that that doesn't need to only solely focus on one character to, mm. you know, bring the stories home, like, you know, and not have Wolverine be the focus of every single film. You know, tell us about the X-Men, the wider yeah. world of the X-Men um, and, and how that intertwines with the Avengers from time to time, like. That's what I'm really excited for. So a lot of people were starting to get like, okay, it's it, it's kind of over now after the the decade of of films that build up to this massive event, and then people were like, well, what are they going to do now? How can they top that? Well, for me, they don't have to top that. They just have to keep giving me this stuff that like takes me back to my childhood over and over. And even with characters I never read as a kid or didn't see anywhere. It doesn't even matter. It still feels the same. We're still in that world of superheroes and, and magic and cosmic powers. And mm. it's awesome. Like, And, you know, <laughs> it does. My wife, the other day, she asks me, um, 
she's like, I'm just curious, are, are you going to be like in your 50s and still wearing like comic book t-shirts? I was like, likely, yes. I mean, I don't see why I wouldn't, you know, unless I, have some, unless I have some serious midlife crisis. I, I don't think so. I think I'm still going to be doing the same thing. Um, yeah. So I'm like, well, you, at least you know what you've got, you know. Absolutely, to be fair. I mean, yeah. the, the one thing that is, is so great is, like we already mentioned, you know, the, the influence that it's had on other superhero genres and, and stuff like that. But the fact that, you know, the MCU is now affecting what they're doing with the comics, because they're obviously drawing yeah. a lot of material, as we know, from, from the comics to, to make storylines. But the fact that they're now adjusting comic storylines to pull from the way that they do things in the MCU, you know, it's going to be this intertwined thing for both of them now moving forward that you're not going to be able to have one without the other because the MCU still can make its own stories up, but the fans still want to see stuff that's drawn from the comics. And because I know it's been pointed out already, like the, the Thor Love and Thunder um, trailer, there were a couple of scenes in there that were direct pulls from the comics in terms of yeah. visual and, and word for word. So mm-hmm. and they've done that in other films already. And so it's just amazing that they're going to have this world going forward where MCU's become such a big cultural thing that that affects what they do with the comics. It affects what characters they push in the stories that they kind of are going to have moving forward as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also they, so yeah, they, they, they go by what the fans are enjoying from the films. Like what characters can we start using in these comic book stories to get kids back into comics again? Um, uh, I don't know. I, I feel like, I feel like comics at, at this stage are for like our age and older. <laughs> like it feels <laughs> like it. I don't know a lot of kids uh, that are into comic books. Um, I'm sure they exist though. I mean, they're still selling some comic books out there. Um, but I think that also that for a long time now, they've been like writers are now writing for that form. Like they're writing um in hopes that it will be turned into a film like i'm gonna write a storyline and it it it, they set it up in a way that's like perfect for it to be put into live action on the screen and so and i think they've been doing that for for quite a while now you i mean you can see it like comic books read a lot more like a film now or a movie or uh, a series than they used to so much they're writing to that specifically um and hoping that their storylines will get picked up, you know, in the same way that the Winter Soldier storyline got picked up or um, what they did with WandaVision. Like, they're hoping for that going in now. Whereas back in, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, they, there was really no hope of that. Like, you weren't writing because, well, this will probably get made into a film if it's really good. You know, it just wasn't happening back then, no matter how good your storyline was. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, back then, they're just writing comic books really for the love of writing and to yeah. put stories out there that they're just thinking of left, right and center. Yeah. Um, we, we know that Stanley famously says sometimes he just wrote stuff because it came to him. It didn't mean it was a good story. It was just something that he wanted to get out there. Yeah. Um, yeah, we all know the story of, of famously how he came up with Iron Man as a character to start with and Tony Stark. Yeah. Um, you know, he just wanted to write, he was challenged to write a character that was so obnoxious that the fans would both love and hate him at the same time. So sometimes yeah. they're just doing it together. Yeah, nowadays, I think you're, you're spot on. They're writing a lot of stuff with the hope that that's going to be used as an influence for the film moving forward, which you don't always want to see. doesn't always make for the for the best reading. But at the same time, if you do... Hit that jackpot where you've got a story that the the comic fans are going to love. You know that 
the the, the studio guys are going to turn around and go, let's see if we can adapt this moving forward. That's that's really going to help us. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, you know, I mean, just the fact that Marvel has a movie studio now, like that wasn't even that wasn't even a thing before. It was yeah. like, what let's see what studio we can get to turn this into a film. It's like they have complete control now of what they turn into series and film. Um, so with the series and you mentioned that a lot of the films will take things straight from a comic book, whether it be visuals or exact dialogue. Um, I've been noticing that more and more like over the past year or two, like way more exact pulls from comics than they were doing previously before. I think before we got into this, like, era where they were like well we can just do whatever we want and the fans will go with us um, before that they were trying to keep it so grounded i think that a mainstream audience could just go along with it but now they're like well we've got them now like i mean we can we can get as wacky and crazy as we want to get and they're going to follow right along so now they're just like well let's just pull like no matter how silly it sounds or what it looks like you know how far-fetched it seems Let's just put it out there exactly the way it was, the way that fans enjoyed it in the comics. Um, the first time I really noticed it uh, in a big way was Hawkeye, mm. where the visuals just looked like that run that they were basically pulling everything from in that series. It was like the color scheme was the same. The title cards were the same exact lines of dialogue. Yeah. Um, really, really great stuff. And it made for, a fantastic my favorite show that we've seen so far um but and, and now with this ms marvel series and even moon knight i saw some stuff too that was pulled directly from like imagery pulled directly from the comics and and dialogue so what have you thought of the series as compared to the films is it just an extension of that or have you noticed some kind of differences in what they're doing with the series than than what they do in film I mean, I think the obvious thing is you know, the chance with the series to be able to extend it beyond, say, two hours is yeah. is a good opportunity for them to then pull those kind of things from the comics to be able to do scene for scene or line for line um, from, from a certain comic run. Because obviously with a film, they tend to take inspiration from maybe a couple of stories and, and put it together for their own sort of um, outcome. Whereas the series, I found, as you've rightly said, are pulling more and more from a certain particular type of story that they've adapted then for, for mm. that kind of thing. And it's definitely more noticeable, as you said. Um, and I think it makes a huge difference to how the story plays out. But it's also a great homage to the writing that's been done before them and also to keep the fans coming back from the comics. Because I've met a few hardcore fans that are like, I don't care what the MCU is doing. I'm a comic fan. And they're quite rare to come across, I suppose, nowadays. Um, yeah. But even still, I think that's that's something that will pull those people back into those in, into those series more than maybe even the films, because the films are just one-off things. And whilst they're still interconnected, maybe not as much as they obviously have been before, uh, like Endgame. But, you know, being able to, to, to do that symmetry with the comics is something that is going to be so worthwhile for those kind of people that can sit there and geek out a little bit and go, I remember that from, from that run. I remember that particular scene in general. And it's, yeah. it's something that I think 
they do to give those fans real excitement. I mean, Easter eggs in the background and things like that are always well and good, and it's really cool to have. But to have a scene that played out, you know, visually and, and audibly, audibly, sorry, um, you know, exactly the same is something that I think is there to, to give those fans real um, admiration for what they're doing and connect them more to, to the series and the films. But the fact they've been able to do it more in the series than they have done previously in the films, I think is something that they have done deliberately to make that connection even bigger because probably you could say maybe less people watch the series than the films. More mm-hmm. people are sort of the casual viewer may sort of just go out for the big films as opposed to sitting down and watching every series. So to be able to connect to the more hardcore Marvel fan at the same time and go, here's something for you that you can recognize is, is a real good thing I think they've done for the series. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the things that I think the MCU has been able to the reason they've been able to do so well for so long is that a good portion of the people in control there have love for the source material and you can tell it comes out you know like just the fact that they were they said you know what we're going to make an interconnected universe we're going to make this all connect together somehow some way everything's going to be it's the same world mm-hmm. and that had never been done before and just taking on that insane idea to to do something so bold tells you that like if they're willing to take it that chance to do something that big that bold that there's got to be some love there for what what they're bringing to life you know kevin feige uh you know notoriously was like i don't know an uh, an assistant on the set of x-men or something and was like um you know feeding actors like comic book stuff <laughs> like hey look at this read this this is how you get you know this is what the character is like and, um just hearing stuff like that and knowing that this is the guy at the helm of this thing that that he really loves all these stories that they're telling and even though he doesn't have all the input he's not writing these stories he's not directing them um but he's the guy at the top going yeah let's go with that yeah let's go you know like bring me a great story we'll do that we'll do, and and find a way to work it in and yeah i i know a lot of people worry that it's going to kind of crumble under its own weight eventually that it's just too much um but man i'm i'm here for the ride until that happens (laughs) i'll tell you what yeah um so in terms of these series which ones have you kind of liked the most out of out of all that we've gotten so far i think moon knight has to go straight up there to be fair um it was such a good series. It was obviously the start of something a bit darker um, that um, that maybe Disney have, have okayed all round. They've been doing slightly darker stuff in, in some of the other series that they've had coming out. Um, and, and to go straight in there with technically a, a superhero that is in the MCU and he, you know, Moon Knight had been around for a while in terms of what he's been doing his own thing. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, to then just come out to it and have a story that was so different to everything else. And, this sort yeah. of Egyptian world was was fantastic. Um, I was personally a big fan of, um, of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah, same. Um, I've I've heard a lot of people say that it ranks near the bottom of their sort of series listing so far. But to me, the more I w- I've watched it, probably four or five times now, and for me, I I love it. I've become such a huge Bucky fan. I wasn't always the biggest fan of his at the start, but mm-hmm. um, although I was more of a Winter Soldier fan than a Bucky fan, I I think it's probably fair to say um if that makes sense but i think the more i've watched that series the better that series has gotten for me 
I, I think that one's going to stand the test. And the fact that they're rolling that into a Captain America 4 film um, yeah. it just shows that I think that they, they them, themselves at Marvel really love that that series of what they did. So um, I, probably a controversial opinion again, but I think One Division ranks lower down for me than, than mm -hmm. maybe a lot of people have it. I think it was one of those series that it was really slow to get started because they were building it all up and building it all up. And then... Yeah, the the last couple of episodes really hit hard, and it that's where it became really good. But I think mm -hmm. due to the slow nature of of, of how that long it took that series to get going, it wasn't my my particular favorite. But yeah, I think Falcon and Winter Soldier and Moonlight have probably been my two favorites so far. Yeah, I, I feel pretty much the same way. Um, knew I had you on here for a reason. It, these <laughs> um, so the grounded stories have always got me the most. I think um, I, I enjoy those characters because it feels like almost realistic you know and yeah. it feels like um i don't know that I, I feel like there's more odds there there's more like um i don't know there's more gravity to it it's more uh what's the word um more I don't know. The odds, <laughs> the odds are higher because it feels realistic. It feels like people yeah. could really die or people could really get hurt. Or, um, but I've always loved all the, the the Captain America films are my favorite of the of all the films uh, in terms of individual character stories. Um, and I just felt like that was a great extension of that. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, I really enjoyed Hawkeye, uh, just because of how much it it adapted an awesome comic run and i just i just liked what they did with it i loved Haley steinfeld in it um i thought i thought it was an awesome series they threw kingpin in there just for fun like it was really cool um on the wandavision note i i have that closer to the bottom as well um and, and i think it's honestly because it's kind of opposite of you it, it's i think it's more like i didn't like the winding down of it at the end the, like the ramping up i think it got a little formulaic at the end where it was really original and neat what they did with the series overall um i liked the, the idea of going through these different genres of television and kind of doing this um homage to old, old school television um and watching that play out but yeah they could have done it in a different way maybe um put those first two episodes together into one or mm. Um, maybe even the first three so you get like some black and white you see a transition to color and then you know make it a six episode series too instead of yeah. not that might have helped um but i liked all that really kind of cool new stuff they were trying to do um and then at the end it just became like any other mcu ending and they're like throwing you know magic balls of light at each other in the sky it was like eh, okay i i feel like i've seen that before so yeah um, but i enjoyed uh the uh introduction of, of agatha harkness um i i enjoyed a lot about that series i just yeah it, it doesn't rank up there when i compare it to all the rest of this stuff at the top I mean, um you touch on an interesting point with the powers sort of thing coming out the hands because i think what we've seen more in the MCU, far more maybe than the comics, and this is maybe going to change with the X-Men coming, uh, possibly even in humans at some point, is the fact that almost all the powers that we see in the MCU aren't natural. 
they're not something that has come through your genes or anything like that. There's something that something has happened to them to give them those powers. And I think it gets to a point where almost everything in terms of if it's a physical power, so it's just shooting out the hands and it just becomes a bit repetitive at times. Um, so, you know, Doctor Strange, whether it's Wanda, um, even Ms. Marvel a little bit to this point, and a lot of the ones we've seen before are just, yeah, everything comes straight out the hands and it's just a bit yeah. need to see that natural ability coming out that can be used in different ways. And I think we're going to get that with the introduction of, of the X-Men, the Fantastic Four as well. Um, and some of the more even grounded heroes where it's like Moon Knight had that little change up where it's a mystic power, but it's not something that's, you know, a, a ability that comes out of his hands, so to speak. It's uh, yeah. you know, a natural cosmic ability that he gets wrapped up in and, and is imbued with these powers to go out and and just, well, beat the, beat the crap out of people really, isn't it? So, Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, you're right. It's, it's, it's like all we've had so far really, I feel like is like super strength and the ability to shoot things out of your hands, you know? And, you know, um, I, I think that, that they are going a little bit different way. I like some of the stuff they've done with Wanda um, now. Um, but at, at first it was, yeah, she was just like these balls of red light were coming out of her hands. Um, but I like when they delve more into what she can do with her mind and with your mind, um, stuff like that. Um, I loved... Uh, the, the stuff that they showed it in multiverse of madness. Um, but yeah, when it comes to just shooting stuff out of your shooting light out of your hands. Eh. Um, and I'm going to say, I'm going to completely backtrack on that when we start talking about Ms. Marvel here. So, um, <laughs> but um, what have you thought so far of Ms. Marvel? what do you think of that first episode that we got last? Week? It was, I think a refreshing change for, for, for a good couple of reasons. First of all, the, the playful, animated style of, of of things they had going on there so the little drawings all in the background um mm -hmm. the way that they just did little bits and pieces around that it was refreshing change from what we've got before because whilst marvel has always had that sort of playful attitude and, and comedy going into it they've not really had so much of a straight up comedy type film really um yeah. or, or series everything's been serious or supposed to be serious with a little bit of that comedy thrown in light-hearted moments with some yeah. of the more light-hearted characters maybe like ant-man and things like that but to get something that is completely different and and the fact that it's set within a different type of household as well with the yes. fact that they're pakistani muslim um yeah. I, I, I remember reading a couple of articles where people were saying they were worried about that, whether certain countries around the world would take to that because of obviously you know, the, the world climate as it has been over the last 20 years or so. But mm -hmm. they, they've really hit the nail on there. Um, I know you were speaking last week about how you hadn't necessarily experienced that yourself. So sometimes is it going to be difficult to get into it and, and, and latch onto it the way that we have done with previous series because it's such a different setting? But I think right. it's refreshing for them to to have something so different now, and it's it's lighthearted while still retaining the the serious bits when it needs to so far in in the way that she's approaching certain bits in her life as a as a, as a middle aged teenager, so to speak. Um, I think it's been been a good start for for the series so far. It's it's been something different. I'm not always going to be the one that sits down and watch, watches a teenage sort of high school type show. I think yeah. like like yourself, but at the same time, it's been. I, it's Marvel, I'm always going to watch it, but it's been a, that refreshing change up to what we've had before is something that I think is going to give this a real boost sort of moving forward. Yeah, it, it caught me off guard. Uh, I, I went in, yeah, kind of expecting to not care too much about it. Um, not just because 
it, it was aimed at a younger audience, but because I couldn't relate as much. Uh, you know, it's a female lead. It's a very young female lead who's in high school in the 2020s. Like, well, how much do I have in common um, with, with that character? But I think they're, I think I talked about it last week, but the way that they focus in so much on her fandom is my in. Like, that makes me feel like, oh, this is still a POV character for me because I'm a big geek too, yeah. you know? Um, and she's a geek in the same way about real heroes in her world as we are about these shows and and and, and comic books in our world. Um, so, yeah, that was something I did not expect. And so far, I mean, we're two episodes in. I'm I'm absolutely loving the series so far, and I did not expect to. I expected like this would be automatically right near the bottom, just because I wouldn't be as interested. You know, I couldn't relate as much, but I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Um, the one thing I I did want to clear up too is because I've been saying this for months now, talking about Ms. Marvel, that the age rating was different for this series mm -hmm. than for the other series. It's not. It's TV 14. Um, I, I think I just read something. Maybe it was rumor or an article that came out early saying that it was going to be a, like a, a 10 or a TV. I don't know what the ratings are there for TV shows, but, you know, here it's like TV 14. Then there's like a 10 age rating and then there's like a seven. And yeah. I thought it was going to be like a seven and up. And I was like, that seems really young. Um but no, it's a TV 14. I, I just like saw that today and went, oh, OK, it, it's a 14. It's not this isn't aimed at a real because when they even like there's a scene in this episode where um, and not to say that kids shouldn't see that, um, just that it seemed a little more mature. But um, they're in the bathroom and she's like offering her a tampon. And, mm -hmm. and, and it was like I was like, I don't know if this would be a seven year old show. You know, it's definitely yeah. you know, a high school age show. Um, but yeah, I, I'm really, I'm really digging it. And and like, I just wanted to clear that up that I was wrong about that. I thought it was actually set. I I had read that this was the first series that really, um, had a lower age rating than the other series. That's just not factual at all. It has the same as all the rest. So, um, yes. If you want, we can jump into the episode. Now we've been rambling on for almost yes. forty minutes. <laughs> Uh, but this this is what happens when when you get like a couple geeks together to talk about absolutely you yeah. know, geek stuff. So, um, starting off the episode, uh, Kamala is is really feeling herself after her heroic night. She goes into school like prancing through the hallways and like cool as the other side of the pillow, yeah. and then she bumps into uh, crushy McHampson kid, uh, the, the 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 new kid, her crush, uh, Kamran. Yeah. And um, so it's like really quick into this like coming of age stuff. Like we're like, okay, there's this girl and she's dealing with this and that. And she's like over the moon about having this awesome night. And then she meets this boy and she's got a crush on him. And it's like very much this is the coming of age series that we haven't had yet in the MCU. Absolutely, yeah. And so the aftermath of kind of like her heroic night is like no one knows that it was her, but she's still like on top of the world, like, you know, having a great time. But her classmate Zoe is like getting all of the attention shower on her just for being in proximity to uh, to this person. So it's ridiculous, but that is kind of I feel like that's kind of how it would be in real life. It's like the popular girl 
would find a way to spin it. <laughs> it yeah. Make it more popular. Especially with social media these days as well and the way that they uh, that they go about that. So, yeah, I thought they, they played that quite well for the start, to be fair. Yeah. Um, and, and oh, and she. So Zoe's the one that like kind of officially names her Nightlight. And that's how <laughs> like throughout the episode, people are uh, referring to her as Nightlight. Yeah. So not a bad name, really. I like I must know it might be cooler than Ms. Marvel. It's not as derivative. I, I can't help but still think that if someone named me that, that I would sit there and go, that's a rubbish name. Why have they come up with that for me? Nightlight. It just that's sounds funny. like both people to sleep a little bit, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, so she meets up with Bruno and uh, they talk about how she's been practicing her powers and um, she sent him videos of this and stuff, but he couldn't see it because of all the light. He can't tell what's going on. So they're like, let's meet up after school and let's train. We'll do some hmm. legitimate training. And um, let's see, they go out to they uh, at lunch. They Zoe announces she's having a party. Uh, she invites the new kid, Kamran. And suddenly Kamala's like very interested. She's like, I'm okay, we're going. She, she wasn't interested at all. And then like found out he was going, we're going. And um, so this next part is one of my favorite things. It's really tropey, but I love it. Okay, I loved it in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It's a training montage. Very everyone have to get them in there, don't they? So yeah, very Rocky esque. Um, I I love it. Anytime you can work in a training montage with maybe some music in the background, I'm all for it. <laughs> but what I wanted to ask you about is her power set. So hmm. we know that it's been changed quite a bit from the comics, at least thus far. What we've seen so far is like. In the comics, she's more like Mr. Fantastic. She's like stretchy and she can mold her body in different ways. And in this, it's like this, well, she dubs it uh, hard light where she can mm. like pull light out of her and, and make it into a hard substance and, and use that for her ability. But what do you think about that change? Because at first I wasn't so sure about it. Like I was like, I kind of wanted to see her with the comic book power set. It's definitely probably the biggest talking point for the whole series is is that change of how she does her powers. And I think we've all probably said it at some time to, to each other in the fact that they've probably changed that because the Fantastic Four are coming. So Mr. Yes. Fantastic Powers, we saw obviously a brief snippet of it in Multiverse of Madness. Um, and I think that's probably the reason that they've done that is to they don't want it to look like the same. I mean, their powers are slightly different, obviously, in, in the comics in the way that Mr. Fantastic is obviously very stretchy, so if he stretched himself out as far as he could, he'd just get thinner and thinner and thinner, whereas Ms. Marvel, yeah. when she embiggens, she can keep the same size. She doesn't just get thinner and thinner. So, But I think they're just so so close then, and people still look at them as being very similar, that they probably didn't want to do that and ruin the effect before they got Mr. Fantastic onto the screen properly. So yeah. it's definitely been an interesting change, um, especially since... You know how she gets her powers in the comics that she's an inhuman and she gets it from Terrigen mists mm -hmm. um i think there was a really interesting scene in the middle of that training montage where sort of um bruno's maybe like done a few scans on her and he's got his pad in front of her and he's like yeah. interesting you know your, your power isn't coming from the bracelet it's coming from something inside you which yes. maybe was a clue that the bracelet is um is triggered something inside of her that was always there or has been maybe been passed down through genes through the generations, considering there's this whole mystery with her great grandma that we're yes. all assuming probably had the bracelet before her. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think that the way that they're handling it is 
it's going in a very interesting way that they're going to still maybe tie into an inhuman route just in a slightly different way. You know, whether the bracelet has maybe Terrigen, minuscule Terrigen crystals in, you know, embroidered into it, and that's what triggers the, the inhuman gene in there. Um, I think, to me, that's maybe the way they're going to go with it and just say that, you know, she's part of the inhuman group and it's been part of her family for a long, long time and this bracelet triggers that sort of power. Um, I found a lot of people maybe missed that scene because it was such a short scene, but I think it's something that's going to be very integral to explaining her powers moving forward. Yeah, I think so too. And I, I think, well, the first thing that stuck out to me in that scene was like, what kind of tech does this kid have? <laughs> I know, yeah. <laughs> that he can see that it's coming from within her and not from the bracelet, a, a magical bracelet. Like, how does he know? Um I think it's pretty incredible that the tech that this kid has, um, but we get why he's getting into Caltech early for a semester later in the episode. But um, obviously he's pretty advanced, uh, a brilliant young mind. But so my kind of guess so far, I've heard theories out there. And I think the closest one is that they're still going to stick with like the inhuman, uh, the idea that she's an inhuman or some variation, like they might call it something else. They might do yeah. it. Um, I know that there was like some controversy to do with the Inhuman TV series and how, you know, originally Kevin Feige wanted to use Inhumans for something, but then, um, you know, Jeff Loeb from the TV side kind of he took it and used it for TV. And then it was like, ah, well now what? Um, and it, it, it wasn't very well received of a series. And I think that, Some people think they might worry about associating that name in humans uh, because of the series, but I don't think so. I, I, for me personally, I think it'll be just fine. I don't think enough people um, cared about uh, the Inhumans series or know about it. I don't think that normies, the mainstream audience, cares. You know, when they hear it, it may be the first time they're hearing it. Um, but also, just to do it properly, I mean, that that'd be like saying, well, like. Well, the last two X-Men movies were terrible. We can't make the X-Men. We can't talk about mut mutants now. Um, well, of course you can. You just do it better. You know, you do it the way you envision it. Um, I think they're still going to go with that. I think that the bracelet is probably some sort of Cree tech that was given to her grandmother or her grandmother was uh, great-grandmother um, or someone else even further down the family line. And it's just been passed down, but it's some way to... Yeah, access those inhuman abilities. Like it, as you said, it kind of brings them out. But yeah, you're right. It was a really quick scene that could have been overlooked really easily. Um, obviously, with doing a show like this, I'm like re repeatedly watching the episodes <laughs> and like trying to analyze every bit of it. So I would catch it, but I don't know if most people would catch that because it was so quick. You could just overlook it like that. Um, but that's kind of where I think I think they're going to stick with inhumans, likely. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, whether they rename it, because obviously they did use the, whether the first TV show was was a success or not, it obviously didn't turn out really that way. But and then they used them humans really well on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for, for quite some time. Yeah. Um, so I think, as you said, for the casual fan, it's probably not going to mean a lot and they're not going to be too too ruffled up by going, well, they've used it on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. They used it on the on their TV show. Why are they using it now? It's it's not going to be a worry for them. I think it's only the, the serious hardcore geeks that if they get it wrong again, they're going to be on their case because they, you know, Kevin Feige and that team have a habit of getting these things that right that 
their predecessors or, or Joe Logan and stuff like that haven't got right. Yeah. I mean, we're already going to be dealing with, there are going to be people, you know, people probably like, like my wife who is not into this stuff really at all. She's starting to come around. I think with this new, um, this kind of new version of the MCU where they're ushering out a lot of more uh, female leads and main characters that they're basing shows and, and movies around. Um, she's definitely likes that a lot more. Uh, I, she, she really enjoyed Black Widow. And then from then on, I think she's kind of enjoyed more and more. She really liked Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And she hasn't even seen, she at the time, she hadn't even seen the first Doctor Strange. So um, it is working, I think, on a portion of the population, this, this, this MCU, as they call it. Um, but where was I going with that? Um, so... Oh, it would be like, it would be like saying, you know, oh, the audience is going to be confused when, when different X-Men show up played by different people. They're like, wait a minute. I thought Wolverine was that guy. I thought that guy was Professor X. Wait, who are these people? Why are they, you know, um, some people will be confused when it does happen. You know, we just got to keep the train moving. Those people can hop on if they want, you know, it's like, I, I don't think that, that, Marvel Studios is that pressed about it. I think they're going to keep rolling on just like they have been. Yeah, absolutely. And um, and going down the Inhuman route with tying in with the Kree as well would, makes perfect sense, especially since Ms. Marvel is going to be appearing in the next Captain Marvel film. So they're not only linking those up because she's obviously a massive fan of, of Captain Marvel. I think there's going to be a link there between some sort of, you know, it's going to be a Cree link there basically that draws them together as well and, and gets yes. them into that sort of series. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Absolutely. And I think that, um, and then with Secret Invasion coming as well, mm-hmm. um, I think that's going to tie in as well. I don't know exactly how it's all going to tie together, but yeah, I could see that the the scrolls and the Cree are going to have a lot to do with all of that. So it's likely that they're involved with this, this bangle that gives her the powers mm. and everything. Um, yeah. So. Oh, and with, with the powers too, I was thinking like, I originally did not like this hard light thing. Um, but when I saw her doing the training and um, how she kind of created those like lily pads to jump across, I actually thought that was pretty damn cool and that's something that she couldn't have done with the the other power set i thought that that was pretty awesome how, how she could like just jump through the air towards things and get to higher up places without you know just creating her own surfaces that was a pretty cool way to it was like ice man you know? <laughs> yeah yeah i know what you mean because yeah. yeah. visually it looks really good as well they've they've got the color of that of those like powers when they come out just right mm-hmm. i think as well to to link it to sort of a cosmic look of of not only the color scheme, but obviously of what she's going for with the, the, the tribute to Captain Marvel, but obviously her kind of um, colors as well, that when she uses her powers, they've, they've linked it very well to that, to give it that extra link as well. So whilst changing the abilities massively, they, they've given it a, a really cool link and a really cool look, which I think is sort of, you know, go goes some way to, to changing people's yeah. opinion about the powers being changed themselves. Yeah, it has for me, definitely, because yeah. I, I was, I was upset at first, like, this is silly. This is more stuff coming out of their hands. This is more bright, shiny lights, you know, flash. But I, I think it looks really cool. I think it looks really, it, it actually comes through really well in this series and with this character. And 
yeah i i don't i don't know like they may be right if they were thinking that it would be too similar to uh mr fantastic to use the stretchy powers and this might have been i mean you know if they can do it right i'm all for it and so far it looks all right i don't know how much more um powerful she's going to realize she is like what other abilities she might be able to possess like besides just the creating the little discs to run on or, mm. or a, a big fist i don't know if it's just going to be that or if there's going to be more to it but so far i actually think it's cool and i didn't expect that either is yeah. one more thing that uh caught me off guard is liking the, mm. the 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 things shooting out of her hands when i don't like it when other characters do it um so moving on um she asks to go to this party. She doesn't actually tell her parents it's a party. She just says, you know, we're going over to Zoe's house. Um, but they seem to be coming around a little more since AvengerCon, and she agrees to let her go. Um, and uh, they get there, and, and kids are doing what high school kids do. They're, like, drinking alcohol. And um, that the scene with the vodka and orange juice was, like, that was something straight out of the mm. Ms. Marvel comic where they like trick her and say like, oh, it's just orange juice so with some vodka in it. Um, so that was something pulled straight from the comic. And as we were saying, they're doing that more and more. They're, they're showing like st stuff directly from the page and translating it to screen. Um, even though they're doing something as massive as changing her power set and how it looks, they're still pulling exact dialogue from the comic. So that that's that's pretty damn cool. Yeah. Um, so this kid, Kamran, does this ridiculous, like, elite diver-esque flip <laughs> into the pool. Uh, extremely dangerous. I like, Bruno was even like, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. I would have been the same. Like, you're in, have you heard what happens to people? Like, <laughs> this is, um, so he does this, he climbs out, he's got the washboard abs. I don't know if he has washboard abs, but <laughs> but he's in he's he's in good shape, this kid yeah. is. And uh Kamala's all all gaga over him. <laughs> and, and um I think you know already Bruno's like a little jealous. You could tell Bruno's like not feeling this guy yeah, at definitely. all. Um so she actually makes conversation with him, which I thought it was gonna go differently. I thought it was gonna be like she has this big crush on him, but like from a distance. But no, she's right in there, like hanging out. Um, he offers to give her driving lessons. They're going to go on a little driving lesson date. Um, mm -hmm. And they end up exchanging numbers and everything. And when the cops come, inevitably, because the cops always come to a high school party, um, that uh, Kamran helps them escape and like drives them in his very nice car. And uh, that, that's when they realize like they have a, a lot in common. They're all both into Bollywood films. Uh, they even make a mention of uh, what, what's his name from uh, Kingo. Kingo, yes, um, one of his films or him as an actor in the Bollywood films. I thought that was a nice little touch to yeah, bring that definitely. up. Definitely, just that one to go. Was, I think again, that's something that people if you just breeze by if you're not paying attention. I actually didn't even notice it until my second watch through. To be fair, that they mentioned yeah. him, so cool little cool little mention. Yeah, and so then, and that, you know that was one of the first times we've seen anything else connect to Eternals. We've seen the Eternals mention things about the greater MCU. We haven't seen other things in the greater MCU connect to something that yeah. we saw in Eternals. So I, that was pretty cool. Like, yep, they're part of this world. We, we could like 
confirmation right there even more that they are a known existence maybe not as eternals but yeah at least that people know them um so they they realize they got a lot in common bruno's in the back seat becoming more and more jealous as as time goes on um and they exchange numbers and, and that's it that's it that's the end of their fun night she goes home like on clouds mm-hmm. you know very much like in and, and this i think they did a really good job at portraying like what that's like when you're a kid and like you have something awesome happen to you or like you have a crush on someone and they like look at you or talk to you or smile at you whatever um just that feeling of getting home that night and just being like ah, i was you know just being on top of the world that they did a really good job at showing that on screen especially with the um you know the like you were talking about earlier with the like the doodles and the emojis and stuff in the background um but along with the music that they were playing and she's dancing and it's like yeah this is a crush she's like basically (laughs) in love with this kid yeah but i i feel like anyone can kind of relate to that and they did a good job at, at making it like it really is like um so then i don't know if i could be mixing this up but at some point the next day uh we get some insight into like the inner workings of the mosque mm. and um how the you know the women are partitioned from the men uh the men are up close and get they can actually hear uh the sermon that's happening the the women kind of can't they're back there gossiping or whatever and um we we get this idea that at least some at least the younger generation of the women there kind of have a problem with this you know they're not uh they're not too keen on this idea that they're almost like in the church feel like second class like they're kept apart from or away from yeah uh, you know and um i think that's interesting to to bring that into the series because they could have just stayed very um they could have went in with kid gloves and said like well well, we're not going to insult um this religion or this culture in any way by insinuating that um the women in it might not be happy or that you know this might be something that bothers some members of of the of this mosque or of this religion um so i think that i think that you know you could see there are a lot of people involved and at least I could tell by like last names and things like that. And, um, that probably would have some insight into this. So I feel like it's, it's probably realistic conversations that do happen within just like they would in any religion. I know that, um, Christian churches are the same way. Like you might have a problem with the way the church is running things or like, I think this is a silly, uh, you know, idea. Um, so I thought it was interesting though that they that they they did bring that up um, that you know at least the young girls notice that they're being treated differently um, and uh, but I thought it was handled really well with like some humor and stuff by the uh, I don't even know what what is it called the person at the head of this mosque yeah i'm not sure of the actual name for them but i know what you mean the the gent that was at the head giving the the, yes the the, the speech or his lectures as he said wasn't it (laughs) yeah so quite um i'm quite ignorant to a lot of this but um 
I did find it lighthearted uh, the way that they did it, and I enjoyed that. Um, but it 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 sparked in this girl in Nakia mm. this want. Well, at you know, with the urging of Kamala to to run for this board or this like office within the church where she would have some power to maybe you know affect some change in the way that they do things. Yeah, and I think that's probably going to be a key thing for both of Nakia and Kamala in this series. I mean, in episode one, when her and Bruno are sat on that rooftop and she's like, you know, brown girls from Jersey don't save the world. And so mm -hmm. this is going to be a big thing for, for both of them that they're going to realise that they can influence things from their own positions. Um, yes. Whether it's Nakia going onto the board for the mosque and, and affecting change for the better for the women of, of the mosque, or whether it's Kamala going, hey, you know, a, a Pakistani Muslim girl can make a difference in the world far beyond what I'm just doing day to day. So I think that's going to be a big thing for both of them in her, in her origin story. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, and I'm glad that they're doing that. They're, and they're not, as I talked in the last episode, they're doing everything so naturally that it's like, mm. this is how it, this is just her life. It's not yeah. like, they're not like, trying to beat me over the head with it who's not muslim or maybe not in this culture but they're showing you what it's really like to live inside that culture and not like these stereotypes of what it might be like to be in that culture like they're not giving me things that maybe i've heard that's a stereotype mm. they're giving me what it's really like and I, I think what they do so well with it is just humanize everyone like yeah. no matter what religion or race or what like they're doing it so well that it's like, oh, these are just people. And, you know, it, it it highlights the similarities between human beings rather than the differences. So it's not harping on like, well, this is a massively different group of people. Like, no, this that what they're what they're really bringing home is that like how much similarity there really is, no matter what religion or race or culture that you might fall into. Absolutely. And I think it's great that when they have like the the scene at the Eid Mubarak where they're there and they're there to campaign for, for Nakia and they show all the different groups that are there within yes. even something like the mosque. So you've got like the Insta girls and you've got like the guy, the different guy groups and then you've got like the aunties together and the old men together. So it's just 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 showing that even in it, if you're not familiar with that kind of thing, that the same groups happen yeah. within that that would happen in almost every kind of other group or institution yeah and i was actually going to bring that up and like it reminded me a lot of um like snatch or mm. or lock stock and two smoking barrels they do the same thing where they like kind of name the gangs or the group <laughs> yeah. around the city like well that's what these people are like and then these people over here doing this and it, it reminded me a lot of that um and, and i like it it, it it felt like a homage to that but i i really like that um, that they did that and it, it did it made it feel like oh this is just like uh any high school or any mm. other institution that you might encounter like at high school it might be like well these are the jocks and these are the nerds and these are the you know it's the same stuff it's the exact same these are the gossips you know um and i especially loved that that she coined them the um Illuminantes. Yeah, that was great to be fair. Which, which might be, um, they may actually end up being known to be more powerful than the Illuminati from <laughs> 838. Um, they they seem to know everything that's going on. So um, where we, where we go? We're back up here. Uh, so Kamala and uh, Kamran really are, are like really into each other. They go on this date, driving mm -hmm. date. Um, and Kamala kind of, kind of blows off 
uh, Bruno a little bit, uh, who who wanted to discuss the fact that he got this scholarship and might be going away and like doesn't know what he should do about. It. I'm guessing we haven't seen any anything really about his life, but we've heard that he doesn't have much of a family and. Um, we obviously know that he's really into Kamala and probably romantically interested in Kamala. Um, but is that the only thing kind of holding him back from wanting to leave is Kamala is what I'm wondering, or if there's more to it than that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's obvious that it's that situation where he's secretly either been holding back or hasn't quite realized how much he really does like her romantically. Um, yeah. I know that his character from the comics, um, his like grandparents were were immigrants, and I think his parents died, and he had to live with his grandparents. And, and I don't think they were anything, if memory serves, you know, special in terms of abilities or anything like that. They were just normal people. So yeah. I think that's maybe why they've not mentioned it so much. I think the only reference we've had to them was the the passing reference in episode one, where um, Kamala's mum gave Bruno some food to take back, and he's like, "Here's some food," which she did in that super quick fashion that was was so comedically yeah. funny that she's just gone and back in like ten seconds with a four pack of food yeah. or something so i think yeah for bruno it's, it's it seems to be that you know he's gonna his decisions are gonna live and die on on what kamala thinks of them and, and how he's gonna react to either being with her or not being around her yeah and i hope that that evolves too i i hope that they show like his character evolve with that in, mm. in the end um like my hope for that is that he eventually does go that he does go and like you know embrace this opportunity that he has um and realize that like Kamala will be fine. He'll be fine without Kamala. This is probably more important um, than than hanging around. Um, and also that you know, like you know, maybe she's not into him that way. And like, what that's okay. And he needs to embrace this thing for himself and not kind of pine over her. Um, I, I'm really hoping though that he does in the end. And I think he will. But I, who knows what they end up doing? But I, I hope that he ends up, you know, getting some kind of independence from it, and then he doesn't feel like as as uh, dependent on what she thinks of it or like, you know, what she's going to do while he's gone. So, uh, Kamala goes out with Kamran on this driving date and they're having a great time and they're out to lunch afterwards and they run into Kamala's brother. <laughs> and, and I love that she tries to convince her brother that this is their cousin, <laughs> knowing that it would be his cousin as well. Um, but, you know, he's never heard of this kid. Um, but I love that that was, that was her like go-to thing. Like, Oh, this is my cousin. She's like, you mean my cousin? <laughs> like, um, but yeah. And, and I, I really like the brother and I like her whole family. They're a very entertaining family and yeah. seem like a very loving family. Um, like really, I, I think they're overly protective maybe a little overly cautious uh with her but i think they have her best interest at heart for sure and uh her brother seems like a really good dude yeah he seems like somebody that you know even if he might be the family favorite he's still got for the most part her best interests at heart and you know he talked to, to the parents to let her go to avenger con um and he just he just wants to sort of be a nice guy overall um, I think it was quite funny that his fiance just, I think she worked out instantly. This ain't no cousin. <laughs> this is a guy that you're covering up. <laughs> the fact that you're out on a little lunch date with. Yeah. She was yes. like, oh, so you're a cousin Cameron. Oh, okay. Wink, wink. <laughs> sort of situation. Um, 
but yeah, there was a great little interaction between all of them and, and Cameron, obviously pretending that he was actually you know Pakistani and he was just doing a British Bake Off <laughs> accent as well. So yeah, um, great little sort of comedy scene there, whilst trying to up the intimacy between Kamala and and, and Cameron at the same time. Yeah, and I always like to ask when I have someone on from across the pond, like, was the accent was the accent legitimate? And if it was, what part of Great Britain is this guy from? Can you it's, tell? It sounded legit in terms of accent. Obviously, I've not looked the guy up in terms of. Um, I rec- you know, he's one of these people. I recognize his face, but I don't know if I've seen him anything else before, or if he's just a brand new sort of actor that's come through. Um, so, if he's if he's from the UK or not, I'm not 100 percent sure. But the accent sound legit in the same way that Tom Holland can put on a perfect American accent, even though he's, he's British. Yeah. So he, he got it spot on. For me, he's probably going to be from. What I would class as the the lower Midlands. Um, so, if you took sort of the band where London is and sort of put it across the country, um, mm. it, it's a it's it's a kind of more of a more neutral accent. So, for example, I live right on the very south coast, and so a lot of people can't necessarily tell where I'm from because it's it's just a very standard accent. I, I don't have a regional accent, so to speak. Um, mm. And it's the same with him. I think. <laughs> it'd be even funny if they gave them a regional accent um especially because i don't think half the the people watching it would really then understand exactly what he was saying which could make it a lot more comedic but yeah he has a very general accent to be fair he could easily have just come from a family that lived in in a in a part of central london somewhere or something like that so it's um a good accent if he's not british um but there's there's nothing that would give away that he's from a certain part of, of the uk <laughs> Uh, okay and on that note oscar isaac mm. oscar isaac's british accent which like i i said in in the first episode that i did of moon Knight that like i forgot going in that he wasn't british i didn't know like i was like wait a minute i i had to second guess myself um but for you what did you think of his accent it took an episode for me to get used to i think it's because I've heard him obviously doing his normal accent more often than, than anything else. So when you hear someone that you know is American coming in to do an English accent, it you sit there and you go, is that spot on? Is it not? Because he, but I, I think after an episode, I was like, he's doing a really good one because he was getting a lot of the, the phrases spot on, a lot of the way that people would end certain words and the way that they say certain bits of vocabulary. He was doing that spot on, to be fair. So he did a really good job for me, I think. I think it was just a bit of a shock when you go and knowing that they're American and you go, can they do an English accent? There's been a lot of terrible ones over the years. And, yeah. and he really did nail it, to be fair. Yeah, and I've, I've said it forever. I, I think that you guys are much better at doing our accents than we are at, at doing yours. And I, I don't know why that is. Um, it, it just seems like that in film a lot more. It's it's rare that I will pick out, that it does happen from time to time where I will pick out a, a British actor portraying an American accent and I'll be like, oh, they slipped there. You know, they I, I heard this word that did not sound at all like how I would say it. And then um, but I feel like I feel like I've heard a lot more complaints about Americans putting on a British accent and it not sounding authentic. I think that's fair. Yeah, I, I would say I've, I've heard a lot more worse versions that way around than than English doing American accents. Yeah. All right, so back in, we got um, 
we have dinner later on that night with Kamala's family. Um, her brother and, and sister, future sister-in-law are there. And uh, we get a little bit of story time about, you know, Kamala's grandmother, great-grandmother, and, and what that's all about. We're not getting a whole lot, though. We keep getting these little hints and then kind of a like, well, let's not talk about that. Let's not talk about that. So clearly there's some family shame uh, around these these people, especially the great grandmother, Aisha. Um, and then um, the dad seems to be a little more OK of talking about it. it's not his direct lineage. So um, but he tells her the, the story about her grandmother. Um, I think it's her grandmother being lost as a, as a young child at the train mm -hmm. station um, during the partition, which is something that I didn't know a lot about. Um, I'm guessing you would probably know a little bit more about that um, with India and the partition. I really was kind of clueless. I had to look up some of it, but basically it's like what, what happened when uh, what the British kind of left the area there and it yeah. kind of fell yeah. into uh, a, a bit of chaos there with like, the area is getting um I don't know. Do you, like, can you explain it any better than that? I don't know. Um, I mean, basically, it was when the when the British pulled out of India. Um, that I suppose you can best describe it, perhaps as, as the power vacuums left, and and yep. there was a lot of dispute going on. And um, as he said in the episode, there was no sort of like um, um, Pakistan before that, um, and, and Bangladesh, and and so it resulted in civil war over those regions. Yeah. Um, but yeah, not not the best of times to be fair for for India during that time, because the British. To be fair, we we did leave it in an absolute mess. I say we, obviously it's not that I wasn't there, but but um, you know it was it was just one of those things that it's great that they dive into that kind of history, and yeah. and, and and include it as part of a family story for them because it brings that authenticity to it as it's not just a fantasy story; it's part of history. Yeah, yeah, it really does ground it in the real world when they do that. Mm. And especially with serious events like that, like they didn't just mention, um, I don't know, some generic Indian thing or Pakistani thing. Um, it was a very specific thing that happened, and a, a for them a very serious and and upsetting thing that happened. And um, I, I kind of I, I like this idea too that I would say I like it, but I like that they're bringing it forth. This idea that like this kind of they're unsure about a lot of things and a lot of people because of all the chaos that was going on. Like people disappeared. They don't know whatever happened to them. And one of those people was Kamala's great grandmother who disappeared at this time. And um, so the story is that her grandmother got lost in the, at, at the train station and somehow found her way back um, saying that she followed a trail of stars. Mm. So that makes you kind of think that there was something else going on there with like the powers. Um, and where was that coming from? Was it from the great grandmother Aisha? Was it passed down to the grandmother or was that her communicating with her? And around this time at dinner, Kamala has this vision of this woman. And I'm assuming that's the grandmother in question in her vision. I don't know this, but this is, there's someone, um, seems like is reaching out to her but she can't she doesn't get anything from it yeah. uh, she she blacks out and then um you know that's 
that's the end of that but she gets a little bit of family history um but you know her mother doesn't want to delve into it so we know that there's something something more to find out here i think i don't know how long it'll take us to figure out uh, maybe till episode five you know until we get the actual story um but this episode looks like it's getting us there at the very end um so they go um they go to Eid, which I didn't know what that was until I, I looked it up. Um, I know what Ramadan is, though. Mm. So um, I guess Eid marks the end of Ramadan. Yeah. And it's like a, a festival celebration feast that they have at the end of the fasting throughout Ramadan. And, and it's like a whole community comes together and has a celebration. And um, so they they go to that. She brings Bruno and uh, Nakia's there and they decide they're going to use this for campaigning and we touched on this before they introduce all the different groups of the mosque which was quite hilarious and um she gets actually the most information out of the illuminantes right she uh <laughs> because they're the gossips right and so there's like all these rumors about who this aisha was and um how maybe she had abandoned her family and maybe she had gone off and started this new family or um one person said that she killed someone. So, uh, you know, they're, they're wild theories to, to what happened to this person or why she disappeared. But that's all we get. We still don't get anything definitive. It's it's all just like hearsay. Yeah. Um, and and they go off and they're all campaigning for uh, for Nakia. Uh, Nakia tries to convince Kamala's dad to change his vote from his best friend. Great little scene as well. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. It was great. Just just the way that she like guilted him. Yeah. Into it. Um, But yeah, so they they do this. Um, She she pumps pumps them for information. And then later that evening, some dumb kid is like playing out of a window trying to get a good shot for Instagram or Snapchat or something. And um, she ends up having to save this kid. And we get to see those cool powers at work with the lily pads and the jumping up. Um, And she's doing really great Mm. until another vision comes to her of this woman. And it kind of takes away her focus for a minute. And then she almost drops the kid. She, She barely saves him at this point. Um, but she does save a, a kid's life. And from then, like, it, it just gets really crazy because something about her using her powers, it was probably caught on video or something, but the, um, shoot, what are they called? The, um, DODC damage control, right? Yeah. Damage control. Yeah. They show up, uh, trying to capture her and we still don't know what, what their intentions are with her. Um, capture her uh imprison her study her we have no idea what exactly they're going to do um but you know it's a scary thing they're tracking her down and i love that um we, i actually skipped over this but earlier they had kind of um went and and interviewed or um interrogated zoe yeah. from school and got tried to pump her for information about who this person was and she obviously doesn't know who the person is um but and i don't know how serious they were when they were um 
saying what they were saying about like surveilling all these different groups of people. If they were saying that for her benefit to make her feel guilty or bad, you know, to help them, or if they were being serious, like this is what we're going to do. Because the guy mentions that like the FBI is already tracking, mm-hmm. you know, uh, this Muslim community. And um, so that could have just been uh, a stab at like the, the state of affairs, you know, in the United States and probably a lot of other places in the world of like um, monitoring people um, based on religion or ethnicity or what have you. And so I don't know exactly. I don't know if that was legitimate or if they were just trying to play like good cop, bad cop. But clearly it's working on her regardless. Um, But we don't get to see exactly what happens with that. But these are the people that are are hunting Kamala down. And they go after her with a drone and they chase her through the streets. um, And she is rescued by Kamran at the very last minute. Uh, always kind of is there when it's when it's when she needs him uh it's like hop in the car and when she gets in he introduces the lady in the back seat as his mother and it is the woman from her visions yeah so i don't know if you know any background on this character or, or what this is or like from the comics if you do please share um but i was like i all i could think was like wait a minute so is it really Kamran's mother? Is that woman related to Kamala? Are Kamran and Kamala related? This is getting weird. <laughs> like, what? A lot of questions going on here. Absolutely. Um, my, my first instinct is when that woman was in the <clears throat> was in the vision when she was saving the kid that that was Aisha herself. That yes. seemed to be maybe the thing that <clears throat> we almost saw in the in the first vision, and then we <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. Uh, and then we get that clear vision of her in the in the second one, and it yes. seems to be that this is Aisha. So, but this is supposed to be someone who's a great grandmother. So surely she right. she'd probably be dead by now, uh, unless her powers are something that's affected that. Yes. Um, my knowledge of Cameron for the comics is that he's a new human, so he's someone that was part of the the modern age that was transformed by the Terrigen Mist and has his own power set, but hates the Inhumans. Okay. Um, I can't really remember too much if if Aisha was was part part of that as well, um, but it seems that maybe you know Cameron himself has always had an ulterior motive. I thought it was definitely too good to be true that he was just interested in Kamal, and there was definitely something yes. else going on there, especially with the knowledge of who he is from the comics, um, yeah. and and the fact that several times he tried to kidnap Kamala and 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 take her off and convince her to to join their cause, or or obviously you know get the bad end of it, so to speak. Mm. So what his intentions are in this moving forward, is that genuinely his mum? Is that genuinely her great-grandmother? Um, but either way, she's someone that looks like she's going to have answers. You, know, We wouldn't be getting that vision of that woman and her turn up if they weren't connected to that bangle in some way, obviously. Yes. So I think <clears throat> she's going to hold a lot of the answers that we're going to be looking for. Obviously, we're probably not going to get them straight away, but we're certainly going to get a bit more in the next episode as to what's going on. But I think whatever she tells Kamala in the next episode is still not going to be the whole truth. She's going to be either lying a little bit to cover herself or or doing it to cover what she's done in the past and, and where she's been all this time. Yeah. So it's definitely going to be an interesting one moving forward. Um, the, the, the throw in there of damage control as well is really interesting. Um, I don't know if you... Did you ever play the Marvel Avengers game that came out in the last year or two? No, no, I haven't. So Kamala's very heavily part of that storyline. 
um, and it shows that she's pursued by, I think, the inventor that takes over that ends up turning into Modoc at the end as well. Um, but he, I, straight away when I saw those drones following her, I was like, they look exactly like the ones from the game. So it, perhaps there's a bit of a link in there to, to some of the storyline that they've pulled or that they've taken some of that and, and gone, the visuals looked really good, so let's use it for this. But there yeah. were some similarities there that go, you know, this was a, an organisation in the game that was pursuing Inhumans to replicate and take their powers. Um, so whether that's okay. something that now that Tony Stark's gone, he's no longer in control, probably in control of damage control, maybe the government's in control or some other entity. I know that we're getting Justin Hammer back and Hammertech, maybe he's involved, uh, Hammertech, sorry, he's involved in some way of having taken over damage control and he's pursuing now the, the, the a way to get people's abilities. Maybe that's why they're after her as well. Um, I know that the, the same dude from damage control was in No Way Home, wasn't he? He was the one that was yeah. questioning um peter and, and and aunt may so there's definitely some interesting links there and so they're probably going to have obviously a, a, a slightly backed off sort of role in it but they're going to be like you know the the side villains as opposed to the main ones but i still think they're going to have an interesting role moving forward in this combined with what's going on with the with the great grandmother in, in cameron yeah do you think that uh cameron will be the villain like it end up being revealed as like him and Aisha maybe, or this woman uh, end up being the main villain of the series. Cause I heard, a, I heard people you know, guessing that damage control would be the villain, but I'm like, I'm not sure if they're a, a villain so much as like a foil or like um, just a side story. Yeah. Like they're part of it, but it's almost like saying um, shield agents are th the enemy, but they're not the enemy. They're, they're just, or like sword in the mm. WandaVision. It's like, yes, they were an antagonist for Wanda, but in the end, Wanda was not doing good things, and they were trying to stop bad things from happening. Um, so were they really a villain or the antagonist? I don't think so. I think it's going to be one of those things that Cameron and Aisha are going to appear as friends, and they're going to cover their tracks to appear like they're there to help, and they're then but end up being the villains of the story. Yeah. whilst damage control are going to appear to be the villains and, and while they maybe are a little bit as you said like a side villain but i think they also could have that appearance that at the start they look like they're they're sort of bad people because they're questioning they're going after them they're saying to keep an eye on on these organizations and places they're chasing her with drones but and they end up just being the ones that they're actually trying to protect her because they yeah. sort of have an idea of what's been going on yeah that could be um almost like they they do like to like Marvel Studios, they they do like to uh, throw us these curveballs when it comes to characters. Like uh, I'm thinking of in Hawkeye, where um, the 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 new stepfather figure uh, in that series yeah. was like played to be a villain the whole time, and and even went by the same name as a person who did end up being an antagonist in the comics, um, but ended up not being the antagonist of the series at all, and, and in fact ended up being an ally in the end. So. I like that they keep us guessing it's not as straightforward and i like how it's kind of like it, it, it's a little confusing it's like are these good people or the bad people are they just somewhere in the middle are they gray are they um you know good like bad people with good intentions or or, or good people with that i don't know people who have good intentions but are willing to do ill-intentioned things to to accomplish goals you know a magneto as mm. type of one um so I think they're really 
clever with that. I think that that keeps these things interesting. And as we were talking about earlier with uh, the series in comparison to the film, I think for the most part, almost everything, especially things that start out as written source material, translates better into a series than into a film, just because it gives you so much more time and space to play with to to tell the whole story you don't have to take out important beats just to just to tell a cohesive story you can tell the whole thing um and so i i was thrilled when i found out that the mcu was going to do series like six six to you know sometimes nine part uh ten part series yeah like i was like wow that would i hope i hope we get a lot of x-men stories this way i always you know i always got to work in the x-men stuff (laughs) but like um because i always felt like those stories you know it's all comic books and those are like it's soap operas for kids and teenagers is what it is you know um it 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 was soap operas basically for young boys in at the time uh when they first started coming out with comic books um and now it's evolved into like it's it's for everyone at this point but you know yeah it was soap operas it was the same thing that my mother watched when i was growing up um it was just people with powers you know that's all the difference was it was aimed at a at a younger audience um but in essence that's all comic books are or any series of books is 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 a dramatic soap opera so um i've always thought it would play out better as an ongoing or even a limited series than than a movie could ever do it's kind of like saying the book is always better than the movie Mm. you know um, for the most part, that's true. And I, I almost feel like a better story can be told in a series than could be told in film most of the time. Um, with exception to where, like, when you have a series, I like the way they're doing it now, where they will make a series as long or short as it needs to be and episodes as long or short as they need to be to tell the story they want to tell, rather than saying, okay, we're doing a 13-episode series. You know, make it fit. Yeah. I think it works much better with these short, like, six-episode limited, where some of the episodes might be 30 minutes and some might be 47 minutes. Like, it's just whatever it needs to be. I think that's the best way they could possibly do it. So I'm I'm so happy that they're doing the series. Absolutely. I mean, we don't... So many series have done that whole sort of 24 episodes, 20 minutes each way of going about it that they sometimes then end up with so much filler in there that it's not adding yes. to anything it's not it's not giving the, the story an extra richness or, or anything like that so cutting yeah. it down I, I think some people probably would have a few complaints that they, they end up rushing the story sometimes in in these mini series it's six episodes say yeah. you know 40 minutes to an hour each it's sometimes you've got to push the pace along a bit quicker but at the same yeah. time I don't think in any of the, of the the series they've done so far they've really failed on that front either where they've, if they've had to push the storyline, they've had to. If they want to slow it down for an entire episode and just concentrate on that one thing for that entire episode, they've been able to do that really, really well. So yeah. I don't think they've had a complete fail so far on that front. And limiting the series also gives it that room to come back for an extra series if, if it, you know, or after it, move it on to a film like they've done with Wonder. And and that way it leaves that extra room that they can go back and tell more of a story or even move the story completely on if they want to while still captivating the fans enough to want more of it yeah and and in in the end it's essentially just a long movie anyway um you know it's if people were like oh it was too rushed like 
Was it too rushed, though? Because this was an hour longer than Endgame, you know, mm-hmm. and that told a pretty big story. Um, these these series end up being, yeah, uh, like, a, like a four-hour film, basically, by the end of each of the six-part six series. So, um, I don't know. I, I think it's the best case scenario. So it, it's, it's cutting out the filler episodes. It's cutting out the clutter. Um, and it's giving us an ultra long movie, but in like, you know, in bits that are way more manageable, you know, 45 minutes a week. And I'm so thankful that Disney plus does weekly releases. Mm -hmm. This is just like another nostalgic thing that I don't know what a younger generation thinks of this. Um, but I love it. I love going back to like wondering what's going to happen next week and having, and being there when it's happening and not just finding a series. Um, you know, it's different when you were there week to week, uh, when a series was airing, than when you find it years later and binge the whole series, it's a different feel and you feel a little better than the people who find it later. You know, like when I talk to people who, who just binged Dexter last year so that they could watch the last season of Dexter. I'm like, man, I had to wait um, <laughs> eight years to hear that story. You know what I mean? Like, um, and, but there was something special about it. Like the, the intrigue and, and the, the, the anticipation each week. And it's so cool that we got it back, not only with, with Marvel, but with star Wars um, and, you know, other stuff that they're doing on Disney plus as well. Like I think, and I think a lot of other streaming services are picking up on that and that like, oh, people actually kind of like this. And it actually, I think it drives um, more interaction. It drives more fan engagement hmm. to do that week to week thing and have people talking for a whole week about what might happen rather than putting it all out there in one day. And then the buzz is over in a week. You know, now it's a, a a six to eight week discussion. So, yeah, and it's like we're never short of new Marvel stuff. And no, absolutely not. And you you've hit them the nail on the head. I think the last maybe eight years or eight nine years we've been spoiled on Netflix by the fact that they release a series and it's all released at once. So you can sit there and you can binge it in a day, and then it's over and done with. And you're like, what am I going to watch now? So the fact that they decided to go back and start doing weekly episodes, I think. At first, you get frustrated because you're like, I want to watch more right now. I, I need to know what's going on. Um, I, I think that first happened for me, as is, is, is you mentioned, Star Wars, when they released the last episode, the last series of Clone Wars. I was yeah. like, I, yeah, they, just drop it all in one go. Don't, don't be doing yeah. the weekly thing. And, but the, yeah, you said it builds up that anticipation. It, it creates more chatter about them, which is exactly what they, they want and, the, and that they need. And, and it gets the fans intrigued and gets them making sure that, you know, the first thing I do on a Wednesday night is I get home from work at 6.30 in the evening. The first thing I'm doing is sitting down, right, let's watch Miss Marvel, let's watch Kenobi, let's get on it. Because I want to know what's going on. I don't want to wait a minute longer. And that's, that's the excitement, I think, that we've missed for a long time. Yeah. And I think the, the 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 way that there are so many series in between the films that are coming out where as before, we got two, maybe three on a really good year, uh, MCU films in one year. Um, you know, now we're kind of making up for 2020 and, and we're getting like four or five. <laughs> but um what's neat about the series and really smart on the part of Disney and, and Marvel Studios is it it the discussion never stops 
there's never a lull between movies. You know, they, they come out with a movie. There's a big buzz around it. There's a lot of discussion around it. People see it multiple times. And then a series drops the next day. And then for the next six to eight weeks, they're talking about that series. And mm. then there's a couple week break and another series. And then guess what? It's time for Thor Love and Thunder. It's like you never disengage from it long enough to forget about it. It's always um, part of the zeitgeist. It's always in your face. Marvel's still rolling along, but you better pay attention. And then, yeah, yeah you never like you, you don't have a chance to fall out of it if you're diehard about it, at least. Absolutely. Like rolling it straight into one into the other, so to speak, is it's a great way to keep on top of the fans as well and be like, hey, you've got to keep up with us. You know, it's only, what, three weeks until Thor comes out. And and so yeah. we're not even really going to be finished with this series by the time Thor comes out. And so it's just just the anticipation to go and see all these projects. And, and you just know that you're weeks or a month away from something else new coming out that's going to hit that need that you've got to, right, I need to see that next chapter of their story. What are they going to throw at me now? Yeah, and I, I gotta say, honestly, I, I've been noticing it, uh, at least especially this year, probably since like Black Widow or Shang-Chi, um, that I don't even notice the weight anymore between films because there's so much content. Some people may not like that, but I'm like, if I can forget and not just always be like waiting for the next movie, because it used to be like, man, three months, four months <laughs> until the next now I forget about it because I'm so drawn into what's happening in the series. You know, Moon Knight, um, it, it went like Hawkeye was out. That ended, we got Spider-Man. Mm. And then there was a little bit of a break there. And then it was like Moon Knight. And as Moon Knight was coming out, we got Doctor Strange. And then right after Doctor Strange, Ms. Marvel. And right after Ms. Marvel, Thor. This is like incredible. It's a fantastic time to be alive for geeks like us. Absolutely, yeah. I'm um, definitely glad that I wasn't born, say, 50 years early and that I'm going to get to see this yes. go on for for another, hopefully, you know, 20 odd years or so and and yes. have a really good universe that is going to serve generations to come, not just us, but, you know, our kids, our grandkids, that they're going to be able to sit and watch and go, hey, I've been around to see this stuff. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Um, yeah, man, I think we covered the episode pretty damn well here and had a pretty great discussion <laughs> about the MCU. I thank you very much for uh for being here and for staying up late to be on the show i know it's a, a massive time difference there um so i appreciate that and um you're welcome back anytime hopefully uh hopefully we can make it happen a little earlier and maybe you can be here for uh for the roundtable discussion that we do at the end of miss marvel i think that would be a lot of fun yeah absolutely i mean thank you so much for having me on it's been a been a real pleasure um i've definitely enjoyed having the chat with you uh, this evening and it's definitely time for bed now to be fair um but yeah. i would love to come back anytime that you're you're happy to have me awesome uh is there anywhere where people can follow you if they want to see what you're up to on uh, social media or something like that yeah i mean most of my social media to be fair is just me doing a lot of marvel and and, and star wars stuff to be fair so um yep. if you want to hit me up on instagram um my handle is uh, the chef killer uh, it's an old name from my chef days. Don't worry about it. I'm not out there hurting chefs or anything. Um, and if you want to obviously join our um, elite group of MCU spoilers on Facebook, you, uh, you know, people are welcome to, to hit us up and, and join us for a good chat in there. Great group. Yeah. Uh, go join that group. Absolutely. Andy, thank you again. Um, hopefully we'll see you back for the round table. It was a great discussion. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. Take care.
All right, my friends. I I told you. I told you it was a good one. And I have full confidence that that you're nodding your head right now. Yes. Fantastic, super-sized, monster-sized episode today with my new friend Andy. Make sure you go and follow him, and and I can't wait to have him back for the roundtable. And frankly, anything else he wants to come back on for, what a great guest. Um, If you have anything to add to the conversation, today's conversation or conversations past, you can reach out to me on Twitter or Instagram at RealBrettScott, or you can email the show directly at MarvelPlusPodcast at gmail.com. Also, hit up that email if you're interested in being a guest on Marvel+. Plus. I'm not going to lie, though. Andy just set the bar a little bit higher for future guests of the show. Uh, but all are welcome and appreciated. Anyone who wants to come on here and talk nerdy, geeky, MCU goodness, I'm here for it. Just reach out, and we'll see where we can fit you in. Uh, tons of upcoming content to be discussed. There's no shortage of MCU in the near future, so... Let's talk about it. If you are enjoying the show, please do me a huge favor. Uh, Go over and rate and review the show on Spotify and uh, on Apple Podcasts. This makes a huge difference in the amount of people the show can reach. And I'm also running a little contest. I'm going to be doing a drawing at some point and pick from the people who have left a written review over on Apple Podcasts to get some pretty cool Marvel Plus merch. If you're interested in expanding your Marvel Plus fandom, uh, digging a little bit deeper, getting some extra episodes and and access to video versions of each podcast, uh, go check out the Marvel Plus Patreon. It's cheap as hell. Well, okay, I I probably shouldn't say cheap. I don't think you're supposed to say cheap. Uh, It's a bargain. It's a value. It's, uh, it's, It's priceless, but there's a very tiny price tag on it. Anyway, go check it out. Uh, link in the show notes, patreon.com slash Marvel Plus. All right, guys, I, I really, I, I think that's going to do it. I, there's really not much more I can hope to add to this, you know, thanks to Andy, near perfect episode. Uh, I will talk to you all again in one week's time to discuss Ms. Marvel, episode three. My name has been Brett Scott, uh, still is Brett Scott. It, <laughs> It will likely remain that for the foreseeable future. Uh, and, and this has been and will forever remain Marvel+. Plus. <laughs>